you want to turn to Mark 6, let's get into the Word. Mark 6, reading from verse 30. And, uh, and, and I'm not going to read it all to you, because I think that, you know, it, it's the story of feeding the 5,000. It's, uh, it's where we're going to start tonight. And verse 30 creates the context of where this story's starting out, that some, uh, the disciples, 12 disciples, have been uh, appointed, anointed, commissioned. They've been sent out, sent out into the world. Um, they cast out devils. They brought healing. They preached the gospel. And they've come back to Jesus and they've brought him a good report. They've said all the things that they've done, everything that's been going on. And, uh, you know, every one of us here today, we're commissioned. We're commissioned to go out into the world, come back to our mass and, and, and get a good report. And, and so verse 31 um, they're getting a little bit tired. Jesus said, you know, come aside. Let's go, and, let's go and have a break. Let's go down to Macca's. Let's go and uh, sip some Coke. Let's, let's chill out. We need to chill out. They, they said that they were so busy that they, were, they didn't even have time to eat. So they departed and head round to another place. And uh, before they even got there, the multitudes beat them. Like all, these, all these people, they're just after a little bit of a break. And, and the, the multitudes who knew Jesus, who had encountered Jesus, they, they raced and they beat these people to where they were going. And, uh, and verse, verse 34, and Jesus, when he came out, he saw a multitude, a great multitude, and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So Jesus was moved with compassion. That's our Jesus tonight. He was moved with compassion. There was a, a love that overflowed into action. A love that demonstrated towards others. That's our Heavenly Father tonight. That He loves us so much. That, that amazing love, that compassion that compelled Him to move. Compelled Him to do something, to interrupt His day, to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit tired, I'm a little bit jaded, I haven't had much time out. But man, I feel the Spirit of God. I feel that compassion. That's the love. That's the heart of God to you tonight. That compassion. That love. Man, I, I feel it. I, I feel it. So then, then verse 35, Jesus began to teach. And uh, I reckon Jesus could pull out a good sermon. And I reckon he could talk for quite some time. And in verse 35, it says, When the day was now far spent, the disciples came to him. And I uh, said, hey, look, man, this is a deserted place. There is nothing around here. Uh, these people are hungry. You know, they're going to faint. They're going to fall over. Let's send them away. Let them go into the surrounding countryside. Let them have a feed. You know, let, you know send them away. Let's, let's get them away. And, and, you know, there's good logic to that. There's good reason. That's a good rationale. You know, if these people are hungry, let's, let's send them away. And this is what Jesus said to them. He said, you give them something to eat. Imagine that. Imagine you're the disciples here. Father, Jesus, I got, I got nothing. Um, all these people in there are real hungry. I reckon we should send them off and, uh, and get them to get something to eat. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. With, with what? Like, there's a, there's a heap of people here. How am I going to give them something to eat? I, I haven't got a thing. Jesus, he, he said to them, well, how much have you got? What's your starting point? How much have you got? What, what's in your hands? How much do you have? Five loaves, two fish? It doesn't sound like very much, does it? But as Jesus gave thanks, as he prayed for it, broke it, handed it to the disciples, a miracle happened. Now I want you to imagine that you're one of the disciples. You've just witnessed this. You know, there's, the Bible says there's 5,000 people. They sat in groups of 50 and 100. So, you know, imagine the church sort of in half, you know, and you've, you've been given probably a, a half of a loaf of bread and maybe a little bit of a fish head or its tail, you know. That, that's your little basket. And you're going over to this group of 100 people. They're pretty hungry. You know, this is, this is what you've got in your hands to give to these people, and, uh, and, and so you break a bit off, and you, and you give it to the first person, and you break a bit off, give it to the next person, the next person, the next person, and the thing doesn't run out. There's still bread there. 
and you're breaking off a hunk now. You're breaking off a hunk, giving it to the next person, breaking off a bit of fish, giving it to the next person, and it doesn't run out. You see, the miracle happened at the hands of the disciples as they broke the bread and they gave it to the people. There was a miracle. As they took of what they had, made it available, there was a miracle. They, at their hands, they saw that. And that's something. Store that. That's good. We'll come back. Then, um, so reading on from verse 45, it said, immediately after this, I mean, there's like massive amounts of leftovers. The disciples are still, whoa, did you see how much food there was? Like we had like nothing and now there's like 12 baskets. Like, whoa, that's amazing. And so Jesus said, like, you guys, you head over to the other side. I'll, I'll get rid of these people. I'll send, I'll send them on their way. And uh, crossing to the other side, the other side always talks about destiny and purpose. It always speaks of coming into something new, something fresh. So last time they crossed to the other side, a demonic man got healed and a village got saved. The uh, Israelites crossed to the other side of the Jordan, entered into their inheritance, entered into their promise. So Jesus is sending the disciples to the other side and they're getting tossed about by the waves. The waves, is the, the wind is contrary, there's a big storm, they're wrestling. And you know how, how many of you know that in your, in your life's journey and your adventure as you're coming into something new, as you're coming into a purpose and a destiny, that there's, there, it feels like there's a contention. It feels like there's a wrestling, like you're thinking, man, I got sent this way. But there's this big storm coming against me. I, 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 can't, I can't get there. I, it might be in your finances. It might be in your home life or your, your purpose. Man, I'm going to get up. I'm going to pray. Every morning I'm going to pray. And then the alarm goes off and maybe I hit the snooze. Maybe, a, you know, maybe you're out watching YouTube the night before. There's, a, there's a, a storm, something that's contrary. Your purpose in your heart God is a God who heals. I'm going to step out. I'm going to, I'm going to pray for people to be healed. And there's a, a wind storm comes against you and you pray for people and nothing happens. And you're like, oh, but God, I felt in my heart. That's what you said. So a, there was a storm. The disciples were in a storm. And then, uh, and then there's Jesus walking on the water. So you can imagine the disciples rowing away, straining. And there's Jesus <laughs> cruising out over the water. And uh, I want you to see this in, uh, in, verse, in verse 48. See, this, this story here is paralleled in, in uh, Matthew 15, and it talks about when Peter walked on the water. This has got a different emphasis, and I want to go with that tonight. It says in verse 48, When he saw them straining and rowing, the wind was against them, and at the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and he would have passed them by. So he could see that they were straining, they were struggling, but he would have... He would have passed them by. We'll come, we'll come back to that. They were troubled and fearful, and they called out. I mean, if you had seen a dude walking on the water, and uh, you would have been troubled and fearful. You would have called out, Oh! Oh my goodness! There's someone walking on the water. So with your, your natural mind, how does that happen? That's not real. Someone's, someone's walking on the water. They called out in fear and, 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 and tremor and terror. And, uh, and Jesus, uh, he entered the boat and the wind ceased and the disciples were amazed. Man, this, this is an amazing guy, this Jesus. Now, you've got to understand that Jesus was just a guy. He was fully man. He was fully like Brian or like Pastor Sergeant. He's fully man. He was... God, but he was also fully man, and he was walking on the water. He, he, he got in the boat, and immediately it calmed, and they could get to where they were going. And they were amazed. They were amazed. So there, there's two keys that I want to get to tonight in those two stories. Jesus said to the disciples, he said, you give them something to eat. I mean, they obviously had nothing. There was obviously like five loaves and two fish amongst 5,000 people. I mean, that is not a lot of food. You give them something to eat. And then when they were going over the lake and there was a big storm and a big, you know, it said that Jesus would have passed them by. 
Now, remember that the disciples had just come back in their twos victorious. They'd just preached the word of God. They'd, they'd laid hands and seen the devils go out, seen people healed, people saved, preached the kingdom. And Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. Jesus said, Jesus would have passed on by. He would have passed them on by. Why? Why did Jesus say to them, you give them something to eat? Why? Why would Jesus have passed them by in the boat? Couldn't he see that they were struggling? Why did he ask them to give them something to eat? Didn't he know that there was no food? Why would Jesus have done that? I believe the answer is that they had everything that they needed. They had everything that they needed. In their relationship with the Father in heaven, they had everything that they needed to be victorious, to be triumphant in that situation. And you know, as I've as I've thought about this, I'm starting to catch something. I'm starting to see things a little bit differently, and it's messed me up. I, I just can't think big enough now. It's you know, I'm, I'm here, but I'm thinking, wow, you know, that they had everything that they needed. God provided every resource for them to be victorious in that situation, and and they didn't even know it. They did. They didn't even see it. You see. Their, it wasn't their reality yet. They were, they were on a journey. I'm, I'm on a journey. We're all on a journey. And, and I think it, how, you, how you live your life, a lot depends on the reality that you, you're living it through. Um, when my wife and I did pre-marriage counselling, the couple that did it said, man, you guys have got rose-tinted glasses. Such was our expectations of married life. You know, at all, how you see shapes your reality. How you think shapes your reality. Like if you think you're poor, then it doesn't matter how much money you have, you're always poor. If you think that you're fat, it doesn't matter how thin you get, you, you still think that you're fat. If, um, if you think that plus fours and long socks and sandals is cool, it doesn't matter how much your teenagers tell you, you're still going to think that that's cool. Because your reality is shaped by how you see and how you think. And uh, in, uh, in my workplace, in my finances, I'm, I'm a, an associate in our company and, uh, and so I've got access to the financial reporting and the management side of things. And, and I was going through it one time and, and I was able to work out what another person's salary was. And, uh, and that person was a bit senior to me, but I could, <laughs> I could work out what their salary was. And you know, inside of me, I, I thought, ooh, that's a bit more than what I'm getting paid. Ooh, I don't really like that very much. And, uh, and so suddenly my salary didn't seem enough because this other person was getting a bit more than what I was getting. And then, and then my job suddenly wasn't good enough because you know it's, that was the reality that I was starting to look through. I didn't have enough. My home then didn't become enough. I, I wanted it bigger in every which way, and we started planning on how we're going to make the house bigger. You know, the, the, just just everything. I just didn't. My, I didn't have a plasma TV in my lounge. Just suddenly, you know, everything that I looked at wasn't enough. It just just out of that one little thing, that was my reality, that was what I was looking at. And uh, just as I was musing around this, it's like God showed me a mirror and I could, I could see the attitude that was there. And so I'd, I worked, I purposed that I would be grateful, I purposed that I'd be thankful with what I had. And then as I changed my heart, so my reality changed, and I, I started being grateful, I'd, thank you Jesus that I have a job, thank you Jesus that you know I've got a great house and a great wife and great kids and and you know, and, and this person's senior to me, so I mean, understandably, they'd be paid a little bit more. And uh, so that, so I, I changed how I saw. And I was doing the weekend after I was doing, um, I was doing my budget, and uh, just going through the finances. And I saw that the company had overpaid me, and I thought, oh, you know, because it, oh, I just and just got my heart, and then I have to give money back, and oh, so I thought, well, I better set this aside, and it looked suspiciously like an amount that I thought I might owe them. So I thought maybe I'm going to have to put double that aside. So 
Oh dear. And then I was looking over um, our remuneration advice, like they give you a little pay slip, and I uh, thought I'd check that out first. And inside it was a letter. And, uh, and, I, and I'd had that letter for about a week, two weeks, during this whole thing, and I, I didn't even know. And uh, in it, they'd said uh, they're very pleased with my performance and they're going to give me a pay rise. And I'd, I'd had that in my hand that whole time when I thought I didn't have enough, when I thought that I wasn't good enough. That was, isn't that amazing? Like, I had that in my hand. I had access to this, but I didn't have it because of how I saw reality. And then at the end, when I changed how I saw, pay rise. Hallelujah. What about that? How you see affects your reality. How you see, how you think affects what really is happening out on this world. You see, I believe we need to come into agreement with heaven's reality, with heaven's perspective. And uh, in Romans 5.17, if we just flick there for a minute. I love this verse. For if by one man's offense death reigned through that one, much more, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. That's heaven's perspective. There is sin, there is a consequence of sin, there is death. But much more, those who receive grace, the power, enabling power to live, who receive righteousness, right standing with God, much more, much more will those people reign in life through the one, through the one, Jesus Christ. That's the reality that we live. Much more will we reign. We're no longer bound by our past, by the decisions that we've made. Much more we will reign in life. That's heaven's reality. We have full access we are fully empowered. We are, we are like the this, this superhuman version, you know. Much more, much more will we reign. And 1 John 4, 17, the Bible says that as Jesus is, so I am in the world. As he is, that's heaven's reality. As he is, so I am in the world. So how is, how is Jesus? How, how are you, Jesus? How is Jesus? Well, he's the Prince of Peace. He's the Lord of Lords. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. As he is, so I am in the world. That's, that's heaven's reality. That's how heaven looks now. Man, it, it just busts my noodle. If I'm in a situation where I'm needing peace, he is the peacemaker. He is the prince of peace. He has all peace. As he is, so I am in the world. He is love. As he is, so I am in the world. That's heaven's reality. That's, that's who I am. And I, I'm going to go on a little, little adventure through the word and look at some mighty men. You know, because I believe that we're all called and we're all commissioned. As the disciples were called and commissioned and sent, so we are. You know, and I, I think, I feel a challenge in me to change my reality and change how I think so that I come in agreement with God and so that I can live the fullest, the highest potential that Jesus can get the full reward for my life. And let's, let's look at, at Gideon. In, in Judges 6.11, Gideon. Gideon was commissioned to save a nation. Now, that's us. We're commissioned to save people. Gideon was commissioned to save a nation out of bondage and bring them into freedom, bring them into relationship with Jesus. That is us. We are here commissioned for this purpose. And uh, the, I won't go through the whole story, but the Israelites were being oppressed at the time by the Midians, the, the Midianites. And, and Midian means contention and strife. So there was a contention and a strife going on in this nation at the time. And Gideon was under a, a terebinth tree, a terebinth tree, which is an oak. And, and that means strong and mighty. Interesting. Uh, Gideon, is, um, his dad was Joash, who's the Lord helps. And Abizrite means father of help. So you're starting to build a picture of what's, you know, of what's going on around Gideon, that there's contention and strife, but he's, he's operating and hiding underneath an oak, which is strong and mighty. 
and his family, his heritage means the Lord helps or the father of help. And uh, so he's withdrawn, he's concealed, he's hidden, he's fearful. And then, the, you know, the story, the angel rocks up and says, Hail, mighty man of valor. Man, is that, that's like a, that, that, you know, where are you looking? What are you thinking? The, the angel says, Hail, mighty man of valor. That's how God saw Gideon. Hail, mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Go in this might of yours. That's how heaven saw Gideon. How did Gideon see himself? He saw himself small and weak and, and fearful and afraid and hiding. But his heritage is that the Lord helps. He was operating under an oak of strong and mighty. He, he didn't even know it. But heaven knew it. Heaven knows your destiny. Heaven knows who you are. You have a unique call, a unique gifting that will outwork in your sphere of influence, in your life. Gideon got it in the end, and, and of course, you know the story that he, he triumphed. And uh, Moses in Ezekiel 3 was commissioned to save a nation. He was commissioned to lead a people out of slavery and into freedom. See, so you, you are commissioned to do that. The Lord is upon you to do that, to bring freedom in your sphere of influence. And uh, this is what Moses said when he found out the news. You know, he's talking to a bush on fire. I mean, like, you, you, you know, he's talking to a bush on fire. Sometimes I think you read the word and you just don't try and... I mean, there's a bush on fire and it's talking to you and he's starting to argue with this bush, you know. I've called you to go. No, well, <laughs> I can't go. Who am I? You know, just, I'll probably listen to the bush if the bush is talking to me and it's on fire or I need some sleep. And, uh, so, and Gideon's response to the bush was, who am I, who am I that you should send me? Who am I that you should send me to do this great and mighty thing, this mighty work? What about Pastor Lynn? Shouldn't you send Pastor Lynn to my workplace? I mean, she's a prophet of the house. She flows in an authority and anointing. You know, she does these fantastic courses that people get free in. Surely you should send Pastor Lynn into my workplace. Or, or maybe Pastor Sergeant, he, you should send him into my marriage. You should send him in to bring freedom into my home and to my kids and to my finances because he is an upright man. He loves the Lord. He's got a, a yoke of love around him that overflows. You should send Pastor Sergeant to do that. Who am I? Who am I that you should send me? And this is what the Lord said to him. I am with you. Pretty short, pretty brief to the point. I am with you. Who is Moses? He's the dude that God's with. Who are you? You are the people who God is with. You are the people that God is with. That when you go into your workplace, your God is with you and you will triumph. That when you are in your, in your school, you are the people that God is with. Who are you? You're the person that God's with. You're created in his image and likeness. That you contain Jesus inside of you as he is, so are you in the world. That's who you have. That's your purpose. That's your, your inheritance. That is who you are. You're not some, some shepherd hiding in the back block somewhere. God's got an amazing call for you that only you can fulfill. And, uh, Joshua and, and Caleb in uh, Numbers 13, they... Um, and the spies, and they're going out and investigating the promise, investigating the, the promises of God. And, you know, in our lives, we have promises of God. We have promises of God that, that you know, you, you pray and you get a word or someone speaks something over you, or even just as a child of God, that there is a promise, there is a legacy, an inheritance for you. And the, how you see reality becomes your reality in this case. Joshua and Caleb, they said, we are well able. Our God is with us. We are well able. Don't hold, don't hold me back. Let's go. Come on. 
Let's go. We can take them. This is our land. This is our legacy. This is our inheritance. This is our promise that our God has given to us. We are well able. Let's go. Come on. Ten spies said, Oh my goodness, look at the bigness of God's dream and plan for my life. How could I, how could we, I'm just a grasshopper. I am just so small. And do you know how they saw reality became their reality? The dudes that thought they were too small died in the desert. The two dudes that thought, we are well able. Do you know what? They were well able. They did take that promise. They did take that inheritance. That's who we're called to be tonight, to take that inheritance, to take that promise, to take that school, to demonstrate God in this world because we are well able, because our God is with us. We are the people who God is with. Yeah. Last one, David and the Israelites and, and Goliath. When we all have a Goliath in our life, we all have something that we're fighting, something that we're battling, a habit, uh, an addiction, a mindset, uh, a situation or a circumstance in our home, in our school, in our workplace. We all have a Goliath, something that we're pursuing to slay or something that we're hiding and running from, whatever the case may be, whatever part of the journey that you're on. King David said, the Lord is with me and he will deliver this giant into my hand. The Israelites were afraid and dismayed. They hid. They were fearful. They shut down. They didn't face the, the, big, guy, the, the big giant. The big, the, you know, that, that could be the stepping stone to the next thing and it was for King David. That was the stepping stone into Saul's house which was the uh, you know, the, the stepping stone into being a king himself. David said, let me at him. Let me at him. That's mine. I'm going to take him down. The Israelites said, oh my goodness, he's so big. How could we get him? King David said, he's so big, how can I miss? My God is with me. We will take him. I'll take him down. I'll take him down. It's a matter of choice, I believe. It's a matter of choice. You choose how you think. You choose how you see. You choose your take on reality. In John fifteen sixteen, John fifteen sixteen, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit will remain. I have chosen you. I have chosen you. I have chosen you. Every one of us here tonight are chosen of God. Every one of us tonight has a victory waiting for us. I have chosen you. I have chosen you. Every one of us has a legacy, has an inheritance, has a promise, has a promised land. I have chosen you. And appointed you. I have chosen you. You did not choose me. I chose you. That you would go out and bear much fruit. So I mean that's just so much better that God picked us. It's not like you were the last one there. You know you were, it was the. Oh there's who will I send? Oh there's that Brian and Hastings. Oh I suppose you know. He, he chose. He chose you. You know when you're lining up for the sports team and at a dodgeball or something, all the big dudes get picked and then you're the little scrawny guy with your, your knocky knees, you know, and you're the last one picked. It, it's not like that at all. With God, he chose you. He chose you and appointed you that you would go out and bear fruit. There's, it's something that you do. It's, it's for you. It's your promise. He chose you. It's, it's something unique to you. No one else can do that. No one else can come into LHT Design and be the pastor in LHT Design. Why? Because he chose me. He sent me to that company. No one can come into my family and be the head of the home and, and shepherd and disciple my children into, the, into a legacy and inheritance in God because I've been chosen. He chose me and appointed me, my neighborhood. I've been called. I've been appointed. He chose me that I would go 
and I would bear much fruit. But I look at it and I think, oh my goodness, how could I possibly do that? Who am I that you would send me? How could I do this? You know, the, the natural fearful pulling back and afraid. But God, but, it, but God is the one who is with me. It is God that provides the resource. It is God that will triumph through me. I just need to say, hey, here's my five loaves and two fish. Hey, here I am. I'm available, God. Use me. Send me. Hey, I'll put my hand up. I'll say, yes, I'm not going to hide behind this fear any long. I'm going to agree with how you see things, that you're going to walk on by on the water because I had everything that I needed. I had access to the Heavenly Father that I could stand up and I could speak to the storm and I could say to you, peace, be still, because I have Christ inside of me. That is who we are as a church. That is who we are as a people. That is who you are because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. In Deuteronomy 30, 19 and, and 20, the, the decision is set before them, before the Israelites. There's promises. They've just gone through all the promises. Who's got that verse? It's in the Bible. <laughs> Deuteronomy 30. And Moses, I call heaven and earth as witness before you today. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Therefore, choose life. It is, it is our choice. We have a choice in this. We partner with God. God, true love doesn't force itself upon anyone or command it to do something. He's not going to send you to India as a, as a missionary if you don't like Indian people. And I think Indian people are just great. I love them. <laughs> I'd go sad and I really would. <laughs> I lost my line of thought. He chose you. He chose you. So we have a choice, life and death. No one, not many people deliberately choose death, do they? When you don't decide, hey, you know what, I reckon, and I'm going to stop tithing, and I'm just going to rack up credit, and in two years, I'm going to be choked to the neck in debt. I mean, no one, no one really consciously decides to do that. They might make passive decisions towards that. They might sort of put the blinkers on, passively decide to, oh, well, I'll just a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit there, and before you know it, you know, you're up to the eyeballs in debt. No one, not many people deliberately try and sabotage relationships. It's just a, an offense here, a, a clip word there, and before you know it, oh my goodness, this relationship's a place of death. We, so we have active choices and, and, and we can make passive choices. You know, in, in my home, I'm, you know, I'm, the, I'm the dad. We've got four lovely kids and a beautiful wife. And, and the Lord has, you know, as, as the dad, I'm set there as head of the home. I, I'm, I'm the gatekeeper in the spirit of what comes in and what doesn't come in. That, that falls to me. So I can make an active choice to arise in prayer, praying from a place of victory, and speak over my family freedom. I can speak over them health. I can speak over them that they would not be attacked, they would not be in bondage, but they would be free. I can make an active choice or I could make a passive choice. I could let that slip. I could not stand in. I could let that comment come in or that program come in or that internet site, that website. I can let that come in and, and before you know it, I've made a passive decision to death. I didn't actively set out to do that, but just by choice of omission, that's what's resulted. Death's resulted. So we, you know, we, I, I feel... I feel that a choice is a choice. Whether you actively or passively make it, that's a choice. So I choose life. I choose to agree with what God says. I choose to stand up and to be who he says that I'll be. I'm on a journey of discovery. I'm not there yet. But I choose to say yes. I choose to agree with what God said that I am. With who God said that I am. I make a choice for victory. A choice for freedom. You know, I think in, in, in my life, in, in every, 
when I look back at every defining point, there's been a choice, a point in time that I can remember to today that I said yes to God. And when I was unsaved and just meeting with some people and, and, uh, and aware of that there was a God, but not necessarily wanting to make that next step because I didn't understand that God was good. I just thought God was about rules. And there was a point in time when someone said to me, would you like to accept Jesus as your saviour? And I'd encountered a love that I could not describe. Yeah, I'm, I'm training as an engineer, so I'm an applied scientist. And, and there was something that I couldn't describe. There was something else but me on this earth. And I had a point in time, a, a decision, and I chose yes. Yes, I do want that. I had a love of the bottle, several bottles, sort of about 330 mil, and they're very delicious tasting. And I would drink several of them fairly regularly. This was after I was saved. Isn't God funny? Deals with first things first. He's not interested in how clean you are. He just wants you because he loves you. And I remember um, I went to the movies with, um, with some friends and we drank a fair amount of wine and I, I fell into the urinals and I couldn't get out and I was sort of heading home and you, know, you, you look at me now and I'm all bright and shiny but I tell you, <laughs> there was a time in my life when it wasn't like that. And, and I was walking through the back streets of Christchurch and, and, and someone aware of that, that God was with them started talking to me about Jesus. And I, and I said, uh, I'm a Christian. I, I know Jesus. <laughs> she wondered, would I like to be set free from alcohol? Now, alcohol was like a comfort for me. It had pain. I didn't have to deal with that because I had the alcohol. And then that moment in time, like I've just drunk a fair bit of wine, I'm trolleyed, and that moment of time, I had a choice. Choose God, life. Not choose God, death. I mean, if you've fallen in a urinal and you can't get up, and you know, you, that, that's not good. You're not in a good place in your life. I tell you. If you're ever there, note, it's not good. I had it, but I loved alcohol. Oh my goodness. We were just, we were the best of friends. And I had a choice in that moment in time. Do I choose life or do I choose death? I chose life. And in an instant of time, I came to my right mind, no longer boozed. And I no longer had the desire to go and drink myself to be that way. In a moment of time, a choice that I made, that you can make, in whatever area in your life that you're facing, we all have a choice. We're all facing a Goliath. At, the, at that time, that was my Goliath. I remember coming up, coming up to Hawke's Bay, there was a, a moment in time, like I really didn't want to come to Hawke's Bay. What's in Hawke's Bay? I mean, obviously now it's a lovely place. But at the time, I remember a moment in time, a choice that I said yes to God. Okay, I don't understand how it's going to work. I don't have any friends. I don't know what I'm going into. But God, I say yes because you have called me and I believe that you are with me in this. With my son, Josiah, my eldest son, he was diagnosed spina bifida in the wound, which is when your, your, your spinal cord doesn't zip properly at the top and at the bottom. And so the prognosis was a retard in a wheelchair. Um, why are you going to keep this kid? Why would you do that? that? This is what the doctors were telling us. So we had a choice, a decision, a point, a moment in time. Do I believe the report of the doctors? Do I accept what they say? Do I listen that there's not enough food to feed this 5,000? Do I listen that who am I that you would send me? Or do I believe the report of the Lord? that he is willing and he is able, that he will heal, that his anointing is upon me and that I can make a difference in my workplace. His anointing is upon me and I will have freedom in my finance so that I can sow and I can be a giver. And, and I remember that. I remember it clearly, just like it was yesterday, a point in time, and I determined in my heart, yes, 
I believe you. Yes, Lord, here I am. Yes, I choose you. It was scary. My goodness, man, we had no idea. But, you know, just on Josiah, at the moment he's, he is year two, he's in a year three class, and he's performing at a year four level. Retard? I don't think so. That's our God. That's the God that we serve. Yeah, come on. That's our God. And uh, just the last choice that, that I'll share with you, I remember being here at, uh, at the Father's Heart Retreat and, and Pastor Mike and Pastor Lynn were about to pop the lid on all our guys' emotions, all the things we've been hiding. And I remember sitting there having a, just before it started, having a little wrestle inside of me, you know. Will I respond? Why don't I respond? It's kind of a bit embarrassing. Will I hold on to this stuff? And, uh, and, then, uh, and then I don't know, okay, yeah, you know, I will. And then the first thing Pastor Mike said is, why don't you... Why don't you get a word of what's going on in your life and then tell the guy next to you. And that was, <laughs> that was hard. But that was a moment in time, a choice. Will I come out of darkness and into light or will I stay where I was? Will I live defeated or will I be free? And, you know, I just... <laughs> every time you make that choice, it's a hard choice. I chose, yes, God. Yes, yes, I will be free. I said yes to God. I remember um, Andy Mace, was, who was here recently, he was saying from the age of 18, he purposed in his heart, he would say yes to God no matter how that outworked or what that looked like. And now, now look at the legacy that he's, he's in, the, in the States. He's promoted, he's connected to a great church and just, just saying yes to God. I say yes to God. I partner with you. I choose to believe who you say that I am and I'll live out of that. I'll respond to you. Church, there's only one thing that satisfies. There is only one thing that lasts. And that is, that is our relationship with Jesus Christ and the legacy that that has. I, I remember I was doing my chartered engineering professional application. It's it's quite a lot of words, but as a structural engineer, I have to get a portfolio together and submit it and, uh, and get the rubber stamp that, yeah, yeah, you're good enough. You're a good engineer. And, um, you know, work meant quite a lot to me as, as a guy. I think that we can get quite caught up in performance and, and find a lot of our identity in, in our work and what we do. And my portfolio read really well for a, for a young guy. You know, it was a very good-looking portfolio, some really interesting jobs throughout the length of the country, some of which had won awards. You know, that's, they were good stuff, and I should be proud of that. But I remember, and I was proud of it, but I remember as I was finishing thinking, you know, in 10 years and 20 years, I could be doing the same thing. And, and really, that, that doesn't satisfy. There's got to be more than this. There's got to be more to life than this. And, and you know, it's a good thing to, to, to produce and, and to be productive in your workplace and be a success. And I mean, that's a good thing, but there's more. There is only one thing that satisfies. There's only one thing that lasts. There's only one thing that is worth all the cost. You know, I mean, sometimes at work, I have to, I have to work till one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. I'm traveling. I miss the kids, miss the family. You know, there's, a, there's one thing, one thing that rewards. There's one thing that satisfies. There's one thing that lasts and leaves a legacy for eternity, and that is Jesus Christ. That is your relationship with Jesus Christ. That is saying yes to him and how he will outwork in your life, the demonstration of his kingdom through your life. That is what satisfies. That's what lasts. Sure, it might be a little bit scary. Sure, you might think, who am I that God would use me, that God would send me? But that is the thing I've found, I've observed over my life. That is the thing that lasts. That is the thing that satisfies. That relationship with Jesus Christ. So church, as, as I come to a close, I've shared a bit of my heart. I've shared a bit of my, my journey, my adventure with you. And, and you know, I feel like I'm just... I'm just starting out, really. 
and, and just the bigness of God and, and what, what could be through me. What could be in my workplace? What, could, what God could do through me? Just the bigness of that. And, and I know that every single person here, just as God showed me a picture of Wesley before I came, like I'd not really met him, but just as clear as I can see him now, he's a little bit clear, he's a bit in the dark, I could see him. That's how God sees every one of you. And he has the biggest dreams, the biggest desires, the biggest call, the biggest victories. And he's made the full resources of heaven available to you. That you don't need Jesus to come into your boat because you've got connection with Jesus. And see, then, you know, it's not like you're always looking for an escape. That you've got him with you. Say, hey, I can stand up. I can take dominion. Hey, I can, I can use of what I have and, and see these people be fed. Let us be a people who sees as he sees. Let us be a people who sees as he sees. That you are well able. That he is with you. And that he loves you. That he's called you. Whatever situation you face, you've got heaven's backing behind you. That you can, you're going to be more than a conqueror. You will reign in life. Much more reign in life. Make heaven's reality your reality. What's in your hand tonight? Is it a limitation or is it an opportunity? Together with God, what difference could you make in your life, in your world, with what's going on around you? What, what could be? What could be? Have you dreamed with God? God, what could be? What could be as I partner with you in this adventure, this journey of life? What could be? And that's it's pretty exciting. So I'm going to give an opportunity to, to respond tonight. I, I believe in responses. I didn't used to because it was quite scary coming up, so I made this whole little game about how you didn't need to, but I... I've changed, and I believe. <laughs> I believe in responses. I believe it does something. It does something inside of you to publicly respond to something that you feel God's talking to you about. So I'm going to give you the opportunity tonight to respond. Maybe tonight you've not given your heart to Jesus Christ. You've not become a Christian. Maybe you'd like to. I'll give you an opportunity in a minute to, to say yes, to choose yes. Maybe you're needing a breakthrough. Maybe you are like so many of the people we looked at in the Bible tonight who are bound up in fear and torment of the difficulties and situations that they face. Maybe it's a mindset of yourself. Maybe it's just, how could, how could I do that? How could I do I know there's a bigness of God, but how could I do that? The one John says that perfect love casts out fear. Tonight, I believe that there's many people here that we need to get free of that fear that limits us and holds us back and encounter a God, the love of God that compels us into action. Or maybe tonight, you just want to say yes. You just want to say, God, yes. God, I choose Yes. God, I say yes to you. God, I renew and refresh my commitment to you today to say yes. God, in my workplace. God, in my school. God, with my finances. God, with whatever opportunity comes before me in my community. God, I say yes. I say yes. I say yes to that promise. I say yes to conquering that Goliath. I say yes that you could use me. Yes, I say yes. I say yes to you. I say yes that I will see as you see. I will see the bigness. I will see the opportunities. I will see the, the resource of heaven behind me, commissioning me. God, I say yes. I will go. God, I will do what it takes. I say yes. So tonight, if you're one of those three people, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond shortly. Firstly, I'd like to talk to you tonight if you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So with every I closed it, every head bowed.
the Bible says that we have all sinned, we have all fallen short of His goodness. But God, He, he can't allow any sin near Him because He is so perfect. But because He loves us so much, the Bible says that He sent His only Son to pay that price. That while we were still a sinner, He sent Jesus Christ so that we can have right relationship with Him. The Bible says that all we need to do is call upon Him with our mouth and believe with Him in our heart and we shall be saved. Friends, I've, I, I've lived with God and without God and I stand before you tonight and I say, God has made a difference in my life. God has brought me into freedom from a guy that couldn't get out of a urinal. He was so drunk. And to someone that's standing before you today, beginning an adventure of the pursuit of God and the bigness of God in my life, he knows you and he loves you. Tonight, with every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond in a minute. What I'd like you to do is raise your hand and then put it down again. So tonight, if you would like to become a Christian, if you would like to receive Jesus, will you please acknowledge me and, and raise your hand. If there's anyone here tonight, maybe tonight you are wanting to break through. You're wanting to break through and mindsets, perceptions of yourself. You want to break through fear, whatever situation, whatever circumstance that you face. Maybe that's you tonight. I want to break through. I want to break through in how I see. I want to break through in, in seeing as God sees me. I want to break through this fear and this limitations that are around me. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe tonight you just want to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I will go. Yes, Lord. I say yes. I say yes to who you say I am. I say yes, I will go. Yes, use me. Yes, it doesn't matter how that's going to outwork. I say yes. I make myself available. I say yes. If you're one of those two groups of people or if you want to receive Jesus, just as we flow into a song now, and as we stand I invite you to come and to fill this altar. I invite you to come and respond. If that is you tonight, if you want to say, yes, yes, God, here I am. Yes, God, use me. Yes, God, I will see as you see. If that is you, if, it, if you're wanting to say, God, I want to break through. God, I want to break through in how I see myself. God, I want to break through in this fear. I don't want to withdraw. I don't want to hide. I want to break through. I want to break through. I don't want to be tormented any longer. I want to be free. I want to be free. If that is you, respond tonight.